welcome to the first episode of your brand new SF72 podcast. I'm Alexandra Richards, and we're going to be discussing today the Scarlet's fourth derby win at the weekend, including that controversial Fonatia ban. Uh, and we're also going to be looking ahead to the Scarlet's first Champions Cup clash of the season at the weekend against uh, uh, Racing 92. Joining me today, I have Scarlet superfan Greg Kane. Hello, Alex. Ospreys fan Gavin Donald. <laughs> Hi, Alex. And we also have a neutral Englishman amongst the ranks. Hey, Alex. Welcome, Sam Butcher. Thank Boo. you. <laughs> so, boys, let's get straight into it then. Scarlet's win at the weekend. They picked up, as I said, their fourth derby win in a row against the Ospreys. Don't remind Scarlet's me. now you. unbeaten at home in the league as well since September 2016. Greg, a good result for you, Scarlet's fans. Yeah, amazing. I mean, always feels really, really good to beat the Ospreys. <laughs> well, to be honest... When I first started swarm the Scarlets, we barely ever beat them. <laughs> you died, so, yeah. Yeah, it's actually really yeah. nice. Four, four in a row. Yeah. I said, it's, it's, it's tough for an Ospreys fan to swallow after remembering the, the golden days of, you know, when we beat you by 30-odd points yeah, on New Year's Eve. Exactly. One of the great <laughs> days. I was there for yeah. that as well. Yeah, it was great. And now, <laughs> and now we can barely string three passes together so it's just a bit tough to take how long ago was that New Year's Eve victory oh god that was a long time ago I think like that was when we had like Henson Williams people like that the hairsprays yeah the hairsprays the fake tans the golden years there's nothing that beats a good derby day a good derby match though is there between the no even 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 then it was a really good atmosphere on Saturday I thought disappointed probably not to have a packed house so I knew that they always used to be yeah, really packed. Well, it's been my first one in a while, but I saw. I still thought that the the atmosphere was excellent. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, to be honest, it's, I was I was disappointed as well. I expected it to be a full house. Yeah. The first time we played the Ospreys at Park Scarlets uh, in two thousand eight, it was fifteen thousand sellout. Yeah. And it was absolutely awesome. Yeah. I think I can't remember the result. I think the Ospreys might have won. I think we won. The, yeah. But um, yeah, there was like twelve thousand. Yeah. So not as good as we'd hoped, actually, considering yeah. our I think there was a little bit less than 12,000, because yeah. you got to imagine that they take into account um, season, season ticket holders yeah, as well. Yeah, they yeah. don't actually turn up, yeah. Well, let's get into the nitty-gritty of the game then. Nigel Owens, how do you feel <laughs> his decision-making on the day as ref, particularly you, Gav, being an Ospreys fan? Uh, do you feel a few decisions, could, a few more decisions could have gone your way, you think? Um... I, to be honest, I thought we got the the rub of the green in in some cases, but you know, Nigel's a world class ref. Um, he's arguably the best referee in the world, and and that's for a reason. And you know, it it's always it's always easy to sit on the sidelines and say, you know, he, he could have done this, he could have done that. Um, I thought he refereed the breakdowns poorly, in, in my personal opinion. In in towards a certain team or just generally? No, I just I thought generally because there was a few that I thought, you know, being objective that you probably should have had penalties as well. Mm. But I, I think mean, it's a bit of a lottery at the moment. Yeah. Because in the game, you know, there's a, there's a high penalty count. There was, yeah, there was, a mass, there was a huge penalty count against us. Yeah. But I think that's because of our lack of discipline in the moment. Like, you know, a lot of the boys on Saturday looked a bit rabid in the headlights. You know, it's a big stage for some of them. A lot of, the, a lot of them haven't played in as many derbies as, you know, an Allen win or, uh, or the likes of that. Um, but I just thought that we were we were very poor, dis- you know, in in terms of discipline on the weekend. But is that a concern for you? That seeing this lack of discipline in the team as an Ospreys fan, is it, is it something that concerns you? Yeah, it is. Uh, but I mean, it's it's tough for me to get excited about the way we play at the moment. And I was speaking to Greg about this earlier in the week. But this this the way that we play rugby, it's just not entertaining. Uh, like I had to pay twenty seven pound to go and watch that, and I honestly wouldn't go. And, I wouldn't pay that much to go and watch a game again. 
Like it's just it's he's, so he, regimented. Are you talking about the Osprey specifically? Yeah, or, I, I, or like I think I think it's I think it's just general Northern Hemispheric rugby. It's so regimented now that you know you have to have even we had a break on the weekend where George North made a lovely break down the outside and we have to have two two forwards hit it up where if we spin it out wide we got a chance to chance to score in the corner but nobody is get picking their heads up like nine times out of ten Sam, you know Sam Davis is going to kick the ball yeah. he's just going to get the ball and kick it yeah and I think I agree with you with regard, uh, that is how the Ospreys are playing yeah. I don't think though that it is a problem for the whole of the Northern Hemisphere yeah. I think, I think there, there was a problem and I think more teams than not play that boring style of rugby but I think if you look at like obviously I'm a biased Scarlets fan but if you look at the rugby we've been playing over the last few seasons it actually has been very heads up when it's on wide even when we're on try line we're going Yeah. and the handling skills are actually very good from 1 to 15 as well uh, Sam being more of, of a neutral I was, fan I, I was, what yeah, do no, you I'm make just of, looking of the situation of rugby so at the minute you've obviously kind of shown that you're a little bit not just about the game on the weekend Yeah. but What's wrong? Like, what do you change to make them more entertaining and make them a better side? Because obviously, you're not too happy about the yeah, situation I, that you're currently uh, in. I think it, I think it's of, I think it's from the bottom up. To be honest, I think you know the coaches are getting paid to do a job that they that they think they're doing well. But if you look at it in New Zealand, so a lot of the a lot of kids who are picked up to play, you know, Ospreys underage groups and, and obviously the Scarlets underage groups and any of the regions underage groups, they're picked on their size. They're yeah. not picked on how good they are. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they're not picked on skill. So, mm. um, you know, at, I'll take Adam Beard for example. I played against Adam Beard when I was younger, and obviously he was six for ten when he was fourteen, and he picked the ball up and run through everybody. Once you get up to like a certain level of rugby, like youth rugby, as as you know, Greg, you you just can't do that anymore. And in New Zealand, they don't play contact rugby until they're fourteen. And they play in weight groups, not yeah. age groups. So they're automatically in a game where they're going to be matched up against people the same size as them. Yeah. And they're going to have to teach, and they're going to have to be better skills wise. And they play touch rugby from an early age. And and I think that the skill level there is taught. So you're taught to be skilled rather than you know we'll pick you because you're big and then we'll teach you some skills later on. Yeah. It's like they'll teach you to be big. So you know they'll put you in the gym. Yeah, you can be bigger, but they want you to be skilled in the southern hemisphere mm-hmm. rather than. You know, rather than be massive here, which yeah. is which is what I think is fundamentally the problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you that there's too much emphasis these days on on getting them in the gym and getting them big and strong, yeah. and not actually focusing on their skills. Yeah. But then there are there are several examples as there are several exa- uh, examples as well of um, like I played with Will Boyd of yeah. the Scarlets, and he was he always played a year above. He was never that big, but everyone knew how good a rugby player he yeah. was, and he was put into the Scarlets Academy, and he went through, and obviously now he's playing first team. Mm-hmm. But he was never. <clears throat> he's big now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, and, and yeah. He, you need to be. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like you know the Ospreys turned down Lee Halfpenny because he was too small. Yeah, and that was at the time when we had Shane Williams, arguably the greatest winger that Wales has ever had. Yeah, you know it's just bizarre that people get turned away because you know their skill level might be up you know, as as high as it possibly can be, but because they're not a certain size, you're not going to get picked. Yeah. Do you do you think there's a little bit? Well, obviously, if you were to kind of implement what you've just said, yeah, right. So you kind of start back at like the you know maybe the like the six, seven, eight year olds, and you mm-hmm. start implementing the the weight categories and that sort of stuff instead of age. Yeah. Obviously, there's going to be that period of time in ten, twelve years where those guys start coming through. But what would you do short term? Because obviously, that like you've got to go through those couple of years yeah. to be able to get to the point where then you start seeing the the changes that you've made come into fruition. 
I, I think the game plan is so regimented now. It's like Wales do it all the time. So they will stick to one game plan because they think it will work. Yeah. And a lot of the time, maybe it does work. But nobody is taught to f- think freely for themselves. Nobody's thinking, oh, well, you did it once on the weekend where you pass it out every time the defensive, the defensive back three, both wingers will drop for the kick and the full back will drop. Yeah. So that means you've automatically got a two-man overlap <coughs> if you're inside the, your own 22. Yeah. So at, le- we were, at least the least you can do is pass it out to 13 and if they drift well with you, yeah, you can kick to the 13 because it's not like the 13s can't kick these days. But it's just every time you're in the 22, ball will go to 10 or they'll hit up one phase, ball will go to 10, they'll kick it. Whereas you've got a man overlap and you, you've got a man like Johnny McNichol who's rapid, you get the ball with him with 20 yards of space, he's going to make yeah. 20, 30 yards every time. To be fair, yeah, I, know, I agree with what you're saying, but to be fair, I think that the Scarlets do do that. I think yeah. that a lot, they, do, yeah. they, look, they know that the space is out there and they'll exploit it and they'll have forwards in the wide channels then yeah. to, to clear it up and secure the ball. I think, I think it's just not, I just think it's not often enough for, for, for the way that I like to watch a good game of rugby, yeah. a good well, running game of rugby. We all want to see yeah. like fast, free-flowing rugby. And I agree that the Scarlets have been playing the best rugby for probably the past two or three years now yeah. in, in Wales but it's just it's so it's so depressing for me as an Ospreys fan to remember how good we were you know with the likes of you know we'd have Phillips Hook Henson Bishop Bow, Williams Byrne yeah. arguably the best backline in Europe at the time and you get to go and watch that every week, and you know, you, you tell those guys weren't thinking, "Oh, I'm not. We're going to let the forwards hit up." They'll be like, "I want the ball. We'll try and do something magical here." Yeah. And it's just none of that. It's just, yeah. There's just no spark. There's do nothing you, exciting you, for me to, as an Ospreys fan, to go and want to watch them play. Yeah. If you get me. No. Yeah, I, I, I get it completely. Do you not just think though that at some just through kind of like the way it works is at some stage you're going to go through a period where you're not as good as you used to be. Yeah, and then you're going to kind of get like back yeah. to where you were at some stage. But like, it go- happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. Some teams have really good players for a certain amount of time yeah. and you can't hold on to those players forever. And that's effectively what makes yeah. the whole thing so interesting. Yeah, so it, intriguing. It, is, it is. Sport, it does go in cycles. And I mean, yeah. Scarlet's had a really barren period as well. Mm. And like, I mean, we got to the semi-finals in Europe in 2007 and then we went years without getting there again yeah so it does go in cycles we're in a bit of a, a, like a purple patch now mm-hmm. and there's no like after after pivot goes yeah we don't know what's going to happen do you know what i mean we could yeah. go back down again the ospreys could come up the blues are looking good yeah i think it would be unrealistic to expect all four regions uh to be <laughs> playing amazing rugby and being mm. really strong yeah, although i know ireland have true. high standards but yeah plus well, i think that's obviously not take away from the fact that in the game you know they, there was still plenty of tries from both sides and actually yeah. if you look at where the ospreys are at the minute you know, they've only lost to Munster. They're still second in their conference. You know, Scarlett's in kind of a similar position. So I yeah. think, in that from that point of view, that actually, you know, there's something that they are still doing right as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I actually don't think it's as bad for the Ospreys. I mean, I know they've been playing pretty terrible rugby the last couple of seasons, but I don't think it's as bad as you think. And I yeah. think it can be turned around. Yeah, I'm, I, I think that game was actually a pretty good game on Saturday. I actually, I personally really enjoyed it. Obviously, yeah. As I said, for me as a fan, there was nothing that I thought. You know, somebody's picked the ball up here. Mm. I need to come back and watch him play. Yeah. Or something's happened. Or oh, that's amazing. I I've got to come back to the ground next week. I think Luke Morgan. He's a decent player. Yeah, he, he, he looked good on the weekend. He yeah. had a great game. I mean, good finish as well. Very good finish for his Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but. So talking of tries then from the weekend, let's have a chat about 
that George North try. Mm-hmm. For you guys, try yes or no. I <laughs> at the time, right, because they show different angles and they like did, it yeah. looks different from every angle. I was looking up at the big screen. Obviously, you get carried away like more Penzali, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I was going, no way, that try. <laughs> he dropped it, and then he gave it, and I was like, yeah, fair. I can see why he's giving it. Because yeah. <laughs> like North put it down, and then as he put it down, Pridey's hand comes up and kind of scoops it away. Yeah. But like that, you don't actually have like it's a misconception. <laughs> you have to have downward pressure. Yeah. You don't. You just have to have the ball in your hand when it touches the in-goal yeah. area. I mean, and yeah, you could have. Had it, Pinky finger on the ball, yeah. and it's, it's, it's still a, it's a try. try. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. There was still some form of, of pressure, yeah. or yeah. you know, he's still touching the ball. The ball's exactly. touching the ground. Yeah. And I'm a big, I'm a big fan of how rugby league do it. Is where if it's 50-50, you give the benefit of the doubt to the attacking yeah, side. Yeah. And I think that's the way it has to be because every other rule in rugby is benefited towards the defensive side. <laughs> yeah. If you take the the you know the stat, if you hold somebody up in a tackle, you know they could be going forward, but yeah, I've got the ball out. It's a then scrum, it's a scrum to, you, to the other side, yeah. And, which is a ridiculous rule, by the way. Yeah, they could have made yeah, yeah. like fifty yards, but because you've held them up, it's your ball. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I personally think, especially for the flow of the game as well, it's it sh- you probably you should give the benefit of the doubt to the attacking side. In but my does opinion. that not then you know take away from the defence if a guy's he's putting his body on the line to try and make a you know a try saving tackle and he's thinking well if the the advantage is going to be given to the attacking team yeah. anyway why am I putting myself I, in a position where you know he could potentially cause himself an injury or. Yeah. Yeah. Sake. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I agree with you, with you. What I will say is that when they when there is like a consen- uh, what's the word contentious decision for yeah. a try, it all depends on the referee's question whether it's yeah. actually for the attacking or the defensive side. Yeah. and I'm pretty sure what he said on the weekend was um, try yes or no for yeah. George North's try. Um, so then it was it took into account the fact <coughs> that Pride could have got his finger under, but actually. You should have asked, is there any reason why I can't award the try? Well, he says to the touchdowns, doesn't he, that um, he can't see whether the ball has been grounded and then... Yeah, and then he gives the try anyway. But he gives it, yeah. Yeah. So do you think then maybe the way that obviously it's being reffed or the way that they're asking the question needs needs to be looked at so we we get that bit right and then get what what we're actually looking at? One thing I noticed, so I watched it this morning and um, Nigel Owens didn't make the decision himself it was the TMO who made that final decision. And I was kind of surprised by that because I thought, you know, they said in the in the video, they were like, Nigel Owens can see it on the big screen. It's right in front of him. Yeah. But he didn't make that decision. It was the TMO that was like, right, okay, yeah, that's a try. Yeah. And I was kind of a little bit surprised. I wasn't too, I didn't really know that could work like that. If that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, he's got the best angle of it, isn't he? I think yeah. that's yeah. the whole point of asking a TMO for their opinion is, yeah. is for them, you know, mm. they've got all the angles, they can see it a lot clearer yeah. than Odin's can. Yeah. Owens is going to be getting, you know, a shed ton of abuse from both sets of fans <laughs> down the pitch. <laughs> yeah. Especially yeah, the guy who's in the Scarlet's yeah, corner yeah, as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's it's nice to have that opinion. I, as I said, I, I personally, I understand that, you know, it might be taken away from defensive efforts, mm. but I don't think that would be the case. I think people put their body on the line, especially in a massive derby game like yeah. that. You're gonna, you're gonna try any way you can. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for the benefit of the game, you should you should give the benefit of the doubt to the attacking side. Yeah, and to be fair, I think Nige does generally do that yeah, anyway at the breakdown. I think, so. yeah, I think yeah. he refs it really well, yeah. uh, generally so, speaking. I didn't think and I think, and I think he did he did have the right decisions uh, to give that try actually. And Patchell as well, did he? 
put his hand up for selection on the weekend had a good game do you think yeah I thought he was I actually thought he was brilliant I think there's a, a long debate around who should be the first choice 10 for Wales <laughs> and I swear every time Anscombe he'll have one good game in four and then the, everyone will be going Anscombe for number 10 he's a pony yeah and I yeah, <laughs> and I actually think Patrick has been consistently the best Welsh 10 for the last three seasons Patrick so deserves I a go yeah it's, it's, the, it's the Justin Tibbrook thing for me is Justin Tibbrook is by far the best seven we've had for a long I would argue that he was better than Warburton when Warburton was playing as a I think Ooh. he brings so much to the game <laughs> in terms of, I, I, he brings so much to the game in terms of an attacking sense as well as he said he put that's in, one thing he's he very good Mor- at he put in Morgan for the try in the weekend he was the only person who drew and gave a ball yeah, yeah that is true very, yeah, he's, that is he's true. done it so many times yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's just like the two of them deserve to play they just they, they, the, the body of work that they've put in the last three years yeah. he, you know, he is I mean just typically he is a class act he's and he yeah. is an out and out he was the best player but do you think Gatland is potentially looking at options so that he can have a player that can play both six and seven rather than an out and out seven uh, I would imagine that he is. Um, yeah. That's why he likes Navidi because Navidi's a, more of a ball carrying seven. Yeah. But I just, I just don't see how you can't pick Justin. T- he, for me, like he, he just has to play. Like there, there is nobody that in Wales who is better than him at that position. I, I think that that's just James a, Davis. I think James Davis is a very good player. Don't I know get me wrong. He's injured, so he's but not. he's, a, he's, a, uh, he's, a, he doesn't bring as much attacking wise for me. Obviously, I know that he's brilliant at the breakdown. Don't get me wrong. I would argue he's probably the best seven at the breakdown in Wales. Mm. But I think just tip breaks all round game, having somebody like that on the pitch, it, it, it's like it's like having an extra centre yeah. at times as well. I, I I agree with you completely. I think Tipperick's actually class. I think James Davis. I think they're actually two. There's nothing to choose between the two. I think personally, you can play the two I of them. They're, they're so similar. I think if you played the two of them, it would be they're not physical kind enough. They're very. They're both quite light, aren't they? Yeah. And you, I mean, go on. You put them out for eighty minutes. You put Tibbrick out for eighty yeah, minutes all day. You don't bring him off the bench. I on, no, I honestly see. I think he's great off the bench. He's so good off the bench. Yeah, that's yeah, the that's, yeah, that's yeah. his biggest problem. He's he's putting some good performances off the bench yeah. that he's kind of fallen into that trap of now taking that position. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. But imagine. But then my point is, is you give him twenty minutes, give him eighty minutes, he could do it more. Yeah. Like he, yeah, he is that he is that good. Theory, yeah, he's that an absolute work. game changer. Yeah, but I think Alex actually raised a good point with the six and the seven. Warb- like Tipperick can't do that job where he gets on the pitch and makes those tackles. Whereas Warburton, for example, that's what he does. He offers both. He's yeah. great at the breakdown and he can put the hits in. And he's just work great. It's unbelievable. But and, uh, and obviously you've got the likes of Ellis Jenkins. He's another option for Gatland. He Ellis likes Jenkins him is, having him as captain as well. Yeah. Um, you know he's another option to throw him to the mix. And then you've got Aaron Shingler. Yeah, yeah. As well, I, I, so. I wouldn't yeah. say that Ellis Jenkins is an out and out seven though. He's not an out and out seven. Where would you put him? I'd play him at six probably, especially now the Falatau's injured. So you can put. Um, I imagine that Ross will start. Moriarty will start eight. But that's what I mean. As Gatland, do you go? Do you go and do you pick your out and out seven, or do you pick players that you feel that you can? You know, if, if injuries happen uh, or if, if things aren't working for yeah. you, that you can play in different positions, yeah. like a six if or a seven. Look, yeah, if you look at England's massive problem for years, and you know, they never had an out and out seven. They had Rob Shaw, who was a six. They just yeah. put him at seven. But the England's problem was they didn't have a poacher. That's yeah, they, what I mean. Yeah, 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 I think Tipper can do that as well. Yeah. I think, for, from as I said, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge. Obviously, I'm an Osprey fan. I'm a huge Tipper fan. I think he's arguably the most underrated rugby player in the world. Like the 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 things that I've seen this guy do are just bizarre. Like a couple of years ago in the Champions Cup against Bordeaux, picks a ball up inside around twenty two, chips a full back and scores, runs the length, outpaces the wingers. Like it was just it was like he yeah. was it was like it was Shane watching Shane Williams, but it was a forward. From the an absolute jet. From He's my so point good. from my point of view as well, is 
I don't watch many club games that go on in Wales, but I've always thought that Tibrick has been a seriously, seriously good player, and I've only ever seen him on the international stage, like yeah. Six Nations, that kind of thing. Um, he's phenomenal. Yeah, he is phenomenal. He's like, a game changer. Uh, he, he is a seriously good player, but I always kind of questioned whether he's good off the bench or whether he can put that into 80 minutes. That was kind of my thinking of it. Uh, as I said, like he he's, he's good for 20 minutes, but... Mm. Give him eighty. Do you think just give has, him eighty. But do you think he has the physicality against the South because of the way? Yeah, I, I mean? do. I, I, I said if you, he's he's been on two Lions tours, South Africa, Aust- New Zealand, and Australia has missed a tackle, not one in every game he's played. Is that a stat? Yeah. That's a stat. He hasn't missed a tackle on the Lions tour. That's a good stat. Did he play any tests? Yeah, he came off the be- he came off the bench in the third test, in the drawn test. But in like in the week games that he played, so I think he played like six or seven games. He has he's made like sixty tackles and he hasn't missed any of them. He's made them all. Yeah. And and obviously ahead of the World Cup, the, you know these autumn internationals, perfect opportunity for Gatlin to put him out there for those eighty minutes and see if see if he's know, got it. Yeah, well I mean, how he comes up against South Africa and Australia. Yeah, but I think Gatland has kind of made his mind up a while ago. Yeah, about he just hates Tipper. I just don't understand it. I just yeah. I just don't get it. Mm. No. Like the bloke is incredible. Yeah. So back to the game on the weekend then. Another controversial decision. <laughs> Kieran Fonatius. He's just been asked that he's now got a three week ban for Yeah, his, I uh, think I think it's absolutely so harsh. And I'm, I haven't met a single person who's gone, oh, actually, yeah, fair one. Because it was just ridiculous. And um, I mean, it was six weeks originally, but... <laughs> no, only six weeks. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Only six. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I should, can't remember... Who, should it even have been a ban in the first place? No. Then? No. Like, I mean... Was it a card? Not even anything. No, it's nothing. nothing got given in, in the game. They've, they've done it retrospectively. But, like, from a player's perspective, like, we've, we've all played rugby, right? Catch the ball... That's what you do. Yeah, you go, and North comes in. Is in your instinct just to put your hand out? Yeah, he's just mistimed it without even thinking about it, and he's caught North with his arm. Yeah, Plus, just, it, I, you know, if North had gone into the tackle differently, if he'd gone lower, then it then, then it, it wouldn't have been he wouldn't have the caught same. Him. Yeah, you know, the same outcome. <laughs> so yeah, there was no malicious intent. Yeah, exactly. And I, as I said, like, there's there's parts of the game now that are getting a bit soft. I think, and that's just you know some of the ta- like some of the tackle laws now are a bit. I understand play safety is paramount, but if you watch people go into the rucks, they just fly into the rucks and hit people. Exactly, I agree. Yeah, it's just yeah, pers- yeah, yeah. And, but then, and you're just you're just focusing on the wrong parts of the game. Yeah. So completely. you're making an example out of Fonatia, who hasn't done something wrong. Yeah. In my opinion, you know, he's just gone to bosh somebody out the way with his arm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like harmlessly, it slipped up and hit him in the face. Like yeah. you said, then, it's just it's an instinctive reaction, isn't it? Especially yeah. As a but in the rucks, yeah, yeah. you, you could try and fend yourself. And yeah. Get yourself out of the tackle. Yeah, so. yeah. You could you could argue that North should have gone lower. Yeah. I mean, if we're do, we're talking about the tackle rules, they're say, they're on about getting it below <laughs> yeah. chest line, yeah. below the waist. North's gone in too high. Yeah, and was as, as in you have in a ruck, you'll have somebody over the ball stationary, and somebody who's twenty stone will run at them and hit them like in the yeah. back, back of the neck, just smash them out of the way, and that and like people no arms, nothing. People just fly into rocks. Yeah. That is where somebody's going to get seriously well, injured. Well, that's the reason why Warburton's had to retire exactly. at the age of 29. Exactly. They're focusing on the wrong parts yeah. of the game. And like, I think I, I think that player uh, player safety is paramount. And I think yeah. they're doing the right thing with the tackle laws. I'm not... I, no, I don't agree with like Moriarty, for example, being like, oh, the game's gone soft, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I actually disagree completely. I think the tackle laws should be changed. But you're, yeah. you're right about the breakdown, which is the area that needs to be looked at, because <laughs> yeah. that is where people are actually getting seriously hurt, like long-term. Yeah, Like, Warburton's right. body's like, broke. He couldn't walk down the stairs and all that. Like That shouldn't be happening. Yeah. And, and there's a level of consistency that needs to be looked at, doesn't it, I think, in yeah. terms of, obviously, 
you know, other decisions that maybe, or other incidents that hasn't, haven't had a ban that were potentially worse. So there needs to be some level of consistency, I think, across the decisions and the bans that are given out to players. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously what impact that then has. Because, I mean, if you look at Fonatia now, it means he's going to miss the side's opening Champions Cup clash against Racing Metro this weekend. Yeah. And then against and the Leicester, Leicester Tigers. Yeah. And then the Scarlets as well. Uh, and the Guinness Pro to a 14 encounter with the Southern Kings. Yeah. In South Africa at the end of the month. So, I mean... Yeah. And he's now missing three <laughs> massive games of the start. Exactly, and yeah. he got a man of the match on the weekend. Yeah, he's, he was he was awesome, yeah. and he's been really good for us since he's joined. From <laughs> I can't race. believe we left him. I know, but it, well, it, it leaves the Scarlets desperately short of options. That doesn't. Yeah, it, well, in, I mean, we have got uh, Foxy coming back into the centre, which helps. Is Foxy so, back this weekend. Yeah, 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 and in with Parks. So yeah. I mean, it's not the end of the world, but like obviously we'd, ra- we'd rather have Fonatia. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I but obviously um, with the international, international coming up, Hadley Parks. And Jonathan Davis potentially both going, going exactly. Out. So yeah, then yeah, yeah. you ask yourself, well, you know, who now is going to be the option at centre with, you know, Fonatia being out with a ban? Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, it's not. It's yeah. Well, I think it's, 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 it's just been ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, with going back to what you said about um, why you let Fonatia go. Yeah. Just briefly going back to the, the style of rugby debate. Yeah. I think it says a lot about the Ospreys' coaching that Fonatia just was deemed not good enough for the Ospreys. He's come to the Scarlets and all of a sudden he's playing really good rugby. He always played really so well for us. I, n- I never understood it. Yeah. Like, he, he always had a really good game. You don't, he would play the odd game or he'd come off the bench a lot. Yeah. But he was always, I thought, really solid and a bit of attack and flair, yeah. which is sometimes I, I didn't think that we had. Yeah. And it, it, was, it was strange for me that we, obviously, I think it was kind of like a swap deal with Scott Williams, wasn't it? Mm. That was part of the deal for Scott Williams. Yeah. Whereas, you're going to get Fonatia for the whole season whereas Scott Williams the same way that Parks and Davis, Davis they're going to be missing for half the season mm-hmm. maybe more yeah. and you're going to be paying 30, 40 more grand a week for Scott Williams yeah. so for me it didn't really make a lot of sense for us and especially to sell him to our biggest rival mm. who haven't got apart from Parks and and Davis you haven't got a lot of depth at centre yeah. I would say it, it was a bizarre decision for me yeah where's um, where's he from where's Fonatia from New Zealand I believe uh, he's, he's a Samoan Samoan international Samoan yeah. he yeah. Plays, has he played Samoan. internationally is he yeah some, he's a he's got some caps okay yeah. fine alright so looking ahead then this weekend Scarlets have got they're up against Rasa Metro in their first Champions Cup clash it's going to be a tough one for the yeah. boys at home isn't it yeah I think our record at home is outstanding but Rassin are an outstanding side. And they're just so physical. Their yeah. pack is just massive. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we go toe-to-toe with most packs in Europe, but the one that we got dominated by was Leinster, and we got battered yeah. last year. And Rassin went toe-to-toe with Leinster. Yeah. So, I mean, we have our, our physicality has increased since last season, but I think we are, they're gonna have, we're going to have to be absolutely 100% intensity if yeah. we're going to come close. I know that you obviously, there was a two losses at home in the last two years. Yeah. But I know that I think... Racing have never lost at Park of Scarlet. So no, they've they got a draw and a win yeah. in the two games that they've mm-hmm. come. So it's, it's obviously going to be a tough test. I mean, yeah. the, 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 money's, the money's are the massive difference, and they can yeah. pay for whoever they want yeah, yeah. To, to come and play for them. And Racing are one of the standout French teams and, and always are. And it's going to yeah. be a very tough ask. I said their pack is tremendous. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to be such a tough battle up front. Yeah. Bearing in mind that, um, to be fair, when they did beat us, 
we, we it was a different team to what we yeah. have now. I think yeah. we're we're a much better team than we yeah. were then. But you mentioned Patchell's not playing. Yeah. Fonatier's out. Yeah. It's going to be really tough for you, I think, on the weekend. Yeah. Greg, you said in your blog though that you think that the draw for the Scarlets this season, who they're going to be coming up against, is more favourable in your opinion than yeah. previous seasons. Yeah, I do. I think that. Although Racing obviously a great side, I think Leicester are all over the place at the moment. Obviously <laughs> with, like, with Matt O'Connor leaving, and, and they're just getting they got battered against. Um, I think Exeter smashed them, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. First game of the season. The yeah, boys. The yeah. boys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think like I had a look at it. I think they're fifth at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I mean for a team like Leicester, right? We're talking not great for them, no. especially with the amount of like star players they've got in their team yeah um so yeah it'd be interesting to see how they kind of go from their standards in the premiership this season up to playing against uh, you guys in europe like yeah. it's going to be interesting because it doesn't always necessarily just because they're playing well just because they're not playing well in the premiership doesn't always reflect how people get on in in europe it kind yeah. of tends to fluctuate so yeah definitely yeah it's going to be interesting are yeah. you home or away are you at Welford Road away yeah. uh, so I mean that's always a tough place such a tough place it's going to be a tough one that into account but I think I still think that it's easier than last than well not easier but more favourable because you've had some terror you've had some horror groups <laughs> we've been in groups of death on several occasions yeah. well last year I mean we came out of it on top we had Toulon who were obviously giants in yeah. Europe and then we had Bath who actually beat us at Park Scarlet's one of the only teams to beat us in the last couple of years and then we had Treviso who ran us unbelievably close <laughs> like and they're not walkovers anymore like before it used to be mm. Italian team 10 points in the bag it's not like, like yeah. that anymore yeah. whereas this year it's still tough mm-hmm. um, but I think we can do Ulster twice Oh, so, that's a that's an awful place to go as well. It is, I know, and our oh record there God. is dreadful. I'm not saying that's it's not, no, but I do think such a, in the wind and the rain, <laughs> turn them over. Yeah, easy. I know. I'm not saying it'll be easy, but I do think we'll get at least eight to nine points against Ulster. Yeah. It's, it's we so have tough. to if we're going to yeah. go through. Yeah, you are. Because yeah. we're not going to be. I don't think we'll be rassing away. I, w- I would like us to be able to go to Paris with qualification in the back. Yeah. So. so, so Wayne Pivot, do you think you can sign off with some silverware at the end of the season or not? Before obviously. Is Departure. Um, I think. I think that we we're not worse than we were last year, but we are very different. And our, our breakdown threat, which is what we built our game on, with um, Tyburn, we miss him a lot. We miss John Barkley a lot. Yeah. Davis um, out for the season as well. Yeah. So I mean, like the physicality now that we have is is up another level. Yeah. If I had to personally say, I can't see us winning. We, I, I think we could definitely go and win another, a, a Pro 14. I can't see us winning the the, uh, the Champions Cup although I would obviously love it yeah. it must be good from your point of view though as a fan obviously to you know Scarlet's they are continuing they're qualifying every season and they're yeah. earning their seat to play and, and sit at the top of the table play against the you know yeah, and that's these, what these teams. yeah and I mean when you look compare the budgets and stuff that's all we can ask well not all we can ask for but it's great compared <laughs> yeah. to what we've had in yeah, previous yeah. years yeah. we've improved beyond recognition and it's great and I'm and I really hope that we carry on building after Pivot goes to be honest mm. cool well thanks for listening everyone that has been your SF72 podcast if you want to share any of your thoughts or get in contact with the team then at SF72 on Twitter or check out Scarlet Fever 72 podcast online <laughs>